A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning with the 38th verse. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to soon afterward speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have so many different things I want to say about this text that it swirls in my head and I kind of wish I had written an entire manuscript out this week because sometimes when that happens to me, I make myself do that. But the interesting thing is this seems to be like two texts that maybe don't have that much to do with each other. Like you could have separated the stuff about the millstone out and kept the other part. But I think the thing that holds them all together is that little kid... Remember that little worthless child that Jesus picked up and held in his arms while he taught those people who thought they were awesome because they were following him? Remember that? That was meant to be an affront to them. It was supposed to be insulting. It was meant to challenge them, their perception of the world. I tried to think of a humorous way into this story because, you know, preachers like to say, I found a joke this week, and the truth is we Googled it. So y'all ought to know that. When you see a preacher at a funeral whip out a poem and talk about, I found this poem this week, they had that sucker in a file for 20 years waiting to use it. Or they Googled it. Well, I'm going to tell you a joke that was told about me the first time I heard it. And it's a preacher joke, and you've heard it before. But I think maybe it'll help us get into this story a little bit deeper because sometimes it's easier to get into something that might offend us if we laugh first. That's what happens when I do all that. I drop my reading glasses, so we're out of luck. But let's see what happens. A preacher, a preacher named John, who now leads Epworth, told this story one time when he's preaching homecoming to one of my churches. He said, David was out one day riding his bike, and he was thinking about the fact that he needed a lawnmower. 
And I'm just sitting right there, right? And I'm thinking, this didn't happen. I didn't realize it was a joke yet. And he said, David happened to ride his bike by a kid that had a lawnmower. And he thought, I bet that kid could use a bike. So he traded the bike for the lawnmower. And David took that thing home and pulled and pulled and pulled. And it wouldn't start. And he got angry. He said, that little kid ripped me off. So he took the lawnmower back and said, son, I need my bike back. And the little boy said, well, no, sir, a deal's a deal. And he said, but this lawnmower won't start. And the little boy said, well, did you pull that rope? And he said, I've been pulling that rope for an hour. And the little boy said, well, did you kick it? And he said, yeah, I kicked it. And the little boy said, well, did you cuss at the lawnmower? And the pre- and, and, and guy said, David said, no, I don't, I'm a preacher. I can't cuss at the lawnmower. I would have cussed the lawnmower. I'll be honest with you. But that's what my friend said. He said, David says, I'm a preacher. I can't be cussing. I don't even remember how. And the little boy looked at David and said, you just keep pulling that rope. It'll come back to you. (laughs) Now what John was doing was for the sake of argument, separating me from the rest of the church for a moment. Right? And I don't remember what his sermon was about, but I'm assuming the joke either served the sermon or just everybody's desire to tell preacher jokes because that is a rampant desire in the world. But what that does, when we tell a joke about somebody else that's based on their personhood or their vocation, what we do is we separate ourselves from them. We draw ourselves into our own little camp that we call us. Us. These people, these stiff-necked people as Jesus called them, these disciples, have been arguing about who was the greatest. And I can only imagine what it was based on. Maybe who had given up the most. Maybe which one of them prayed the most. Maybe which one of them's Old Testament had the most battle scars on it. You know, they didn't really have books to carry around. They just had scrolls. But you get the point, right? Which one of them was more holy? Which one of them gave more money to their TV preacher? Which one of them did more this or more that? Which one of them was more concerned about justice issues? Which one of them visited more of the sick and the poor and the old and the lame? Which one of them was more holy and perfect? Which one of them had achieved greatness and perfection? And remember what Jesus did? He picked up a little imperfect child that nobody thought was worth a darn. And said, unless you become like one of these, you have no part of me. And challenged everything they thought about religion and themselves. And he's doing it again today. Because he still probably has the child in his arms. If you know the parallel story in one of the other Gospels, the disciples get angry that people are bringing their children to Jesus. Which tells us that that whole fantastic childhood thing we talk about in modern Christianity was a myth back then. It didn't exist. We've seen Jesus love the children because it was radical for him to do it. And these goobers come along and want to argue about who's greatest. And he says, you won't be great in the kingdom of God until you become a servant in it. And if we took Jesus' whole message, that might stretch it out to serving people who aren't us. Who aren't in the camp of us. Because the modern habit of humanity is to divide itself into cultural groups and subgroups until you're just nauseous of hearing about them. 
Our politicians pit us against each other based on who our us is. And try to convince us that the other people who aren't us hate us and want us to fall off the face of the earth into crisis so that they can stay in power. The power of us is a horrible thing. Because it's contrary to the gospel of Jesus. The good news in Christ is that there's no longer camps of us. Paul said that in Him there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. But every day I watch Christians deny that with their Facebook posts and their jokes. It's a hard teaching Jesus has in front of us. Holding his child in his arms, John, one of the ones who was in his innermost circle, comes up to him and says, Hey, teacher, we saw a guy driving demons out of a man, and, and he ain't one of us, so we told him to stop. And don't you just know Jesus wanted to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. But instead, Jesus gives him a, What are you thinking, man? He's just saying my name. He might not even know me. He's just saying my name and devils are jumping out of people and you want him to stop that because he doesn't belong to us? Seriously? I think about this story when I hear denomination jokes. One of my friends said one time that... um, he liked to pick on Baptists more than he liked to eat, and he wasn't a skinny guy, he said, so he liked to eat. Think about that. What it says when we divide ourselves into little camps of us, even in the church of Jesus, we deny that the project Jesus has is to make us one with Him. And if we're one in Christ, we cannot be separate, can we? And there is no longer in us. But there's only Christ. I think what Jesus wants them to see is that at the power of merely speaking His name was changing people's lives in radical ways. But now the church is so concerned with political camp this and political camp that and us and them and fighting and infighting that we can't even recognize that the power of Jesus has the power to set people free from all that crap. How can we change that? Maybe we could conjure up in our mind a picture of Jesus holding whoever it is we've been told is okay for us not to love in His own arms like He was holding that little baby. Maybe we could take a moment and think of those people that we criticize all the time as Jesus holding them in His arms. Because I can tell you one thing, without failing, without question. Whoever it is in your life that you hate, Jesus loves them. And He ain't happy with you about it. Whoever it is in your life that you think it's okay for you to have a beef with, not be reconciled to, Jesus does not approve. And that's tough for me. Oh, but they thought they had something going for themselves. 
We told him to stop because he doesn't follow us. I don't know about you, but I think they would have gotten a different response if they said, we told him to keep it up, man. We're telling people about Jesus too. Just a thought. See, there's a problem with us language. Us language actually breaks down unity. When we try to force people to adhere to what we look like or what we think is right or what we think they should be, we destroy their personhood. We basically assimilate themselves into us like the board did Picard in Star Trek. Y'all remember that? Some of you do. Some of you are thinking, there he goes with them crazy examples again. Us breaks down unity. If I want true unity and peace, if we want true unity and peace, we must be willing to admit our differences in being. We must be willing to admit that we're different and Jesus loves us anyway. This peace means being able to live in tension with our differences in being. To live in tension in ways that doesn't threaten the other person. I believe that comes as we divert our attention away from ourselves and our attention away from what we think is imperfect in others and focus our attention on Christ who helps us see the other person as Him and then helps us see ourselves in the other person. The only real unity is the diverse unity of being in Christ. Because Jesus came for all. Not just white people. Not just straight people. Not just Americans. Not just college educated people. Not just people with homes. It'll require that we lay down all our rhetoric and our word bullying long enough to realize that we are miserable living this divided life. And the only way we can cure this divided life is to see the world as Christ sees the world and to witness that the world might be united in Christ. not divided into camps of us. We told him to stop because he doesn't follow us. Those are horrible words. And then Jesus says this thing that, I wonder, is it meant to be an invitation for us to extend a cup of water to others when he says, Whoever gives you a drink of water in my name will not lose their reward. I wonder, is Jesus causing them to think about who it is that they would be willing to serve? Or is he causing them to wonder who it is they would be willing to be served by? 
would they be willing for that little unwanted child to bring a cup of water to them? Would they be willing to give a cup of water to the child? Whatever it is that gets your political hackles up, whatever other group it is that makes you angry, whatever other group it is that you just don't like and ain't going to like no matter what I say, then listen to Jesus. And ask yourself, would you give them a cup of water? And if your answer is no, this altar is open for you to invite Jesus into your heart. To change you and move you nearer to Him. Because point blank, you can't be following the Jesus I know. If that's the case. If you would step back and watch someone suffer because they're not following us and not like us, you can't possibly be serving the Jesus of the New Testament. You might be serving the one some other person told you about. I don't know. But it's not the Son of the God of Israel. Jesus left us no room for that kind of behavior. He calls on us to die for the world in the same way He did. To lay ourselves down for others. And the hardest part of that is being willing to admit that He didn't call people to be us and like us, but to be like Him. We saw a man casting out demons in your name and instead of celebrating the power of your name in the world, instead of celebrating the justice that some soul found in that moment, instead of celebrating the release and the end of that person's terror, instead of celebrating the goodness of God, we told them to stop. May God forbid that that would not be us. God forbid it. He's called us to be for all people. No matter their nationality, there's nothing, there's nothing we can hold up that will excuse watching another person suffer. I think we should take that to heart. Because Jesus says if we cause one of those little ones to stumble, whoever might be the least of our society, it would be better for us to have a car tied to our neck and be thrown into the Atlantic. And this preacher doesn't think he's kidding. You can assess that for yourself. Personally, I'm calling for the end of camps of us and a renewal of the church's desire to see all people be in Christ. I hope that your heart feels the same way or at the very least that you're willing to let your love for Jesus penetrate your lack of willingness to love others. Because that's what I'm trying to do. Amen.